History Crypto Podcast. Good morning, everybody. I'm Eureka John, and you're at Eureka Street Crypto Podcast, broadcasting from Leander, Texas. It is 6.43 in the morning, September 25th, 2022. And yes, this is episode number 489. I'm not really sure what it says on the Spotify or the audio podcast version. It's something like 100 and something, 160 something maybe, 163? I I don't know. Um, I started doing the audio version long after I started doing the YouTube and video version uh, way back when I started out doing this show, October 24th, 2020. So um, it's been going on almost two two full years now, um, so <laughs> it's moving on up. Yep, and um, this is my morning show. Uh, I used to do it every single day, um, and the purpose of doing that was to is kind of my message in a bottle out to the rest of the other people in the world interested in crypto and Web three. Um, this is documenting my journey as I figure out. All this technology and just try to learn about it and uh, show how I fumble through it and to show how um, I don't know jack squat about this technology and this is my process of figuring it out and learning it and I'm doing it publicly so uh, other people can see that uh, not a lot of other people really know that much about it either. This is all new technology folks and we're trying to figure it out as we go along and, and a lot of projects and tokens and uh, technology is trying to work with regulators and there's no clear regulation on this stuff and um, even though some people try to say oh you're breaking the law you know and you know there's no clear regulation going on with this stuff there's a lot of scams in this space and there, there's a lot of problems with the crypto space but that's why i love it there's there's so much drama and so much stuff to talk about every day and so many new things to learn and new uh, developments that are happening every single day in the crypto and web3 space that it's just it's it's, it's addictive um i don't broadcast live or i don't broadcast every single day anymore um i've because of m- reaching out through this show i've met tons of people i've joined um, different collaboratives and DAOs, and so i have a lot of other work to do now in the space so I, I you know i just don't have time to to log on every single morning but i try to log on now as much as possible um and this is my my brain dump is another thing that i say to just dump out every single thing that i've accumulated not every not even every single thing just lots of different things that i accumulate uh by day and then uh, this is my my uh, playground. This is my sandbox to be able to experiment with stuff, both audio and visual stuff as well. Um, I, I'm using OBS broadcasting service to interview people. I use Restream, and uh, you know I'll switch around different types of programs to use and experiment with different options. That's why on some episodes, um, it's just the sound is like terrible or the video is terrible or whatever, you know, it's just I'm trying something new. All right. Anyway, um, let's go over here to the old coin gecko. Um, I just got back from Los Angeles and I went to the ONA conference and that's the online news association conference. And I was invited to go there with, uh, the journo Dow and I'll talk about them here in a second. Um, I haven't been starting with price lately because I honestly don't care about price. Um, this is one of the, on the panel that I was at and we were teaching web three journalists about web three on the panel. I was at, I was telling them, I was like, 
we don't care about price right now. You know, I don't care about comparing this to the dollar. And I, I care about where this technology is going and how people can use it to to combat things like censorship, you know. So there's a lot of different things that this technology can do besides just speculating on, on you know, when Lambo, you know, when moon. And you'll hear people, if you're not in the crypto space and you see when moon, W-E-N moon, um, you know, like when your stock is rocketing, you know, skyrocketing to the moon. Yes, that's what that means. When moon, when Lambo, when, when, you, when are you going to be able to buy your Lamborghini? You see these in so many crypto pump groups. Like if you're on Telegram or if you're on Twitter, um, now I see it spreading into Instagram and I see this stuff on Facebook. So everybody now is being exposed to all the pump and dump schemes and all the pumpers and everything like that. And that's what you see the majority of in the crypto space are these people just trying to speculate and pump and, you know, Elon Musk and the Dogecoin and the Shiba Inu coin. And it, it's just, it gives it a bad name, you know? And right now that's really what you see. Yeah. And it sucks because there is a lot of amazing things going on in the crypto space underneath the hood that is going to change the way we do things forever, especially with the amount of data that is being accumulated now and, and being, uh, put out there and gathered um, from all the IoT devices and everything like that in the world. And crypto has a large part of in that, in, in the collection and the processing of that data. So anyway, let's let's take a quick look at CoinGecko here. You know, um, CoinGecko is the is the uh, crypto token, I guess price list i don't know you know if you ever collected baseball cards and you had the beckett price guide you know and you could look up the number of your baseball card and figure out where it's at um i used to have those when i was in middle school because i collected baseball cards um well this is kind of like that list i guess coin gecko is one of the top ones coinmarketcap.com that's that's the top one um i use coin gecko uh maybe because just because i like the little icon the little gecko icon anyway um, so let's scroll down here. Bitcoin's at $19,092.38. Ethereum's at $1,328. Uh, yeah, $1,328. So, I mean, everything's down from what we thought it was going to be at this time. Um, I don't know. You know, like, I'm, I'm not even going to try to speculate on price stuff. I'm just kind of going here to show you this list, show you where you can look up the prices. Um, you know, XRP is actually up 30%. A lot of people speculating on that and uh, pending SEC decision, whether um, security commodity type of things, which we'll get into here in a second. Um, you know, so this is basically just where you can find it. Um, anyway, yeah, this is the list. Um, so I went to Los Angeles to speak on a panel to journalists and to try to help educate them on Web3. And I did not really... I, I'm not a journalist, you know, obviously. And um, I I went there with a couple people that are journalists to sit on the panel. And I guess I was there to provide like the anecdotes and, you know, maybe some you know, Web3 type of education on some concepts that uh, maybe they didn't know about and stuff like that. But I've been trying to learn more and more about journalism. Um, I had a lot of... Uh, I guess assumptions about journalism that aren't true. Um, you know, I assumed. You know, you, I'm sure you see the Project Mockingbird meme that um, shows all the newscasters and then them all reading from the same script 
you know, and it, it zooms out. It starts with one, then it goes to two, then it goes to four, then it goes to like eight and then 16 and then 32. And then it just shows like a hundred and something uh, journalists all parroting the exact same thing on the screen at the same time. And, um, you know, that's what I assumed it was. Journalists in the morning get the orders from the top down and that's it. And that's all that shapes the news and uh, mainstream media just being told what to say. Um, I mean, there's an element of that, um, but I learned that that is not necessarily true. A lot of journalists know that there are problems with the journalism world and, um, and with social media driving the content. So it doesn't necessarily come from the top down. It, it comes from social media and the journalists have to kind of pick up on stories that are trending in social media at the time. And, and from that, a lot of the news evolves. And it's weird because that's like the tail wagging the dog. To me, it seems like that journalists should get to the news first and then social media should follow afterwards, you know? Um, but now we have journalism trying to keep up with social media. And so there's a lot of misinformation. And, and I hate to use that that term but it's true there's a lot of things on the internet that aren't true and there's a lot of it there's a lot of information coming through and as we are moving more and more into a data type of society and all these these devices just gathering constant information and being able to allow every single person billions of people the tools to express themselves and create their own data Data is just flooding, flooding the world. It used to be content is king. Now it's curation is king. And the journalists are just not able to keep up with that. So all this data from social media is driving the news now rather than the news driving data. So how can this be fixed? And, and how can we pre prevent a lot of the, the false information out there from, from dominating the news space? I guess... I don't really know because I'm not a journalist, but I do know a little bit about a lot of these Web3 tools that I've been researching and that I've been trying to figure out for the past two years on this show and just poking and prodding around. And I, you wouldn't believe my wallet is just full of just tons of scammy tokens just because I bought a few of the tokens trying to figure out how they operate, you know? And I think I've got a pretty good idea of a lot of that stuff and what, you know, what to, 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 to try to focus on and what not to waste my time with. There are a lot of tools like Mirror Blog Engine that will allow journalists to, to create NFTs of their articles to connect directly with their community and their audience. And there are things like Factland DAO that um, are creating a decentralized fact-checking space. Um, so, I mean, there are a lot of tools that are that are starting to pop up in web3 that are allowing journalists to be able to sort through this information and to curate in a more decentralized fashion and to connect directly with their communities instead of having to rely on social media uh, or some kind of top-down um, you know Sinclair or, or Rupert Murdoch type of control and directions of telling them what to say you know so um, the title of this presentation was, even if Web3 is full of scams, the part that isn't just might change everything. And I said, yes, Web3 is, the crypto is full of scams right now, you know? And 
there are it takes a lot of time and effort to be able to sit down and sift through it and the last thing you want is some crypto bro cornering you at a party trying to tell you that xyz token is the the next best thing in the world and you need to hurry up and invest in it and you'll get 100x on your returns and everything like that because that's not what it's about and it's not about showing clout because you own a certain NFT and, uh, you know, <laughs> like some stupid ape, you know, uh, and yeah, that th you're, you're Billy Badass of the Internet. That's not what it's about either. It's about connecting directly with your audience. It's about um, conveying the truth and being able to trace the truth and to have that truth not be censored. Okay, so let's go to this next slide here. What is JournoDAO? All right, so JournoDAO is a professional network for people working at the intersection of media and Web3. And that's right where media and Web3 meet. And a lot of times the reporters and the, and the journalists don't even know where the intersection of Web3 and media is. Uh, we had to explain the concepts of what is the difference between Web 1.0, Web 2.0, and Web 3.0. And I'll get to that in a second. Uh, and then Journal Dow, we're not trying to sell anything. Uh, it, it's it's we're, we're advisory services. And we don't have all the answers either. I don't have all the answers. And I was trying to say that up on stage is, you know, if you have a question on how a certain tool can be used in journalism and Web3, um, well, then come to us and we will try to figure it out with you. And with some of our all previous experience in Web3 and crypto, we can probably come to a solution faster than you can and then present it to you and then see what you think and then put our heads together. Um, so, yeah, use us um, if you have any questions about journalism and we'll, we'll try to work together with you to try to find an answer to whatever whatever problem you might be facing. And then here we have a, a journalism, journal Dow's an incubator of Web3 tools and concepts to upgrade journalism. So we're constantly meeting. Uh, we have the Twitter spaces every week. We have the Discord um, town hall every week. And we're constantly putting our heads together, trying to figure out new ways that Web2, Web3 tools can be used to help upgrade journalism and keep up with the constant influx of data flowing into the space. Um, so, yeah, here's some of our team right here. Um, the Eric, Mack, and Keith, they're, they're the, the founders of it. We have Crystal Street, Spencer Cavanaugh, Jennifer Capo, and moi, um, you know, all as uh, founding members. And um, yeah, we're, we're, we're there every week trying to put our heads together and figure this stuff out. Um, all right, and then we have, all right, so this is how we started off the presentation. Do you know Web3? You know, and I did a show of hands. You know, anybody have Bitcoin? Anybody have Ethereum? Anybody in a DAO? Anybody own NFTs? Anybody ever been cornered by a crypto bro at a bar trying to scream in their ear about uh, the amazing opportunities that Shiba Inu can, can, can bring you? <laughs> so, and then uh, here, you know, we explained Web, Web 1.0 and Web 2.0. You know, Web 1.0 is basically just like a static page. You know, it's like Jimmy's Bike Shop, you know, and, and on Jimmy's Bike Shop, you have, um, you, you know, his name, address, maybe some pictures of the shop, you know, and some bikes on there and say, yeah, this is it. And that's just in one sided only. It's coming to you. All right. And then Web 2 is what if you could set up a profile at Jimmy's Bike Shop and uh, you could post pictures of the bike that you bought at Jimmy's Bike Shop. You could talk about all the trails you like to ride and create your own blog engine within Jimmy's Bike Shop. And then all the people who have bought bikes at Jimmy's Bike Shop could all also create profiles on there, uploading their information, and they could all talk to each other, you know, comment and like on stuff. And that is Web 2, whenever you're able to interact back and forth with the web page. All right, so Web 3 
But the thing is, they, hold on, Web2, Web2, they own all that information. You know, Jimmy, Jimmy owns your information. He owns your photos. He owns your texts. He owns everything that you've said and everything that you've liked and disliked about um, uh, on that page and within that that little walled garden is what the people, journalists like to call it. It's a walled garden. And anyway, um, so yeah, Jimmy owns that. And if Jimmy decides he does not like you or if he just gets burnt out in bike culture, he can just shut it down and that's it. And all, every photo and every blog post and everything that you've ever done is just disappeared forever, just down the memory hole. And, um, you know, maybe you might be able to recover some of it on the Wayback Machine, but I don't know. Um, but anyway... So, um, uh, web three would be like, okay, I own all the information. I own all the photos. I own all the text because it's in my wallet. And whenever I pl plug in and go to Jimmy's bike shop dot X, Y, Z or dot org or dot com, I just plug it in with my wallet and all my pictures and all my texts and everything is suddenly connected to it. Jimmy doesn't own my data. And so what if Jimmy becomes a total douche hole and then I can say, well, you know, I like uh, Luke's bike shop better. You know, Luke's got something going on or Jenny's bike shop. I'm going to go over, eh, let's go to Jenny's bike shop. Uh, you know, she's got a cool little bike park over there. So I will go take my wallet and my information and I'll go plug into Jimmy's bike shop. And not Jimmy's, into into Jenny's bike shop. Not Jimmy, Jenny. <laughs> and so we'll plug into Jenny's bike shop. And then suddenly everything all that I've been doing over there at Luke's, at Jimmy's bike shop, is now in Jenny's bike shop. And so um, then I suddenly get to plug in with Jenny's community. They get to see all my photos and texts and images that I got to do over at Jimmy's bike shop. So they already know that I have experience in bike shoppery. <laughs> so, but the, the thing is, is, is now suddenly the control and, and the power and you know, all that stuff is in my hands and I'm in control of my own identity and my own information. You know, and they have to tailor that website around me, you know, around my experience rather than them owning my data and capitalizing off my data, you know. Uh, and here's another analogy too. say back in Jimmy's bike shop, Jimmy says, well, you know, if you have a, a, a broken bike, I will come over to your house and repair it. And uh, you're like, oh, man, that's really nice of you. Okay, cool. And so he comes over and he repairs your bike. And then after he's done with the bike repair, Jimmy's like, and this is why he decided you didn't like him anymore. Jimmy's like, well, uh, you know, um, the bike, bike uh, repair is free. And you're like, well, no, it doesn't have to be free. Like, I'll pay you, you know. He's like, no, no, no. I, I, while I was here, I went around and I took photos of everything in your house, you know. And I, I know what you, um, what the things that you like and the things that you don't like, and I, I know a lot about you. And so I'm going to sell that, and uh, I will make twenty times more off of all that information than what you would have paid me for fixing your bike. And you're like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> and so that's the that is what those companies do when they provide you a free product in the free service because. If the service is free, then you're the product. And um, so, yeah, and that's why you decide, you know, in, in Facebook's case, yes, you can technically download your data and all that stuff, but it's like pulling teeth trying to get your data eventually. And then, you know, once you have it, 
there's you would have to create a whole new profile and generate an entirely new following at at you know a new site you know so let's go back over here to jenny's bike shop you know she has tailored a really cool site that uh, works with catering to try to provide a really good user experience for you you plug in your data you've brought over your friends you've brought over your photos you've brought over your blog posts they see everything you did at jimmy's bike shop and suddenly you you it's like a web 3 ident id you know you've brought your reputation with you and so that's that's a really cool thing and so those are just some that that's that, that's the difference between web 1 web 2 and web 3 and i'm sorry i rambled on that so much i just you know a lot of people just are not understanding what web 3 is and what data ownership is and how you can take it with you and so that's one thing we really want to hammer home for journalists is is how you can take your data with you and how you can create uh, publications that allow people to come in and out and then you can create a good user experience for them. All right, anyway. Uh, okay, so Web3, it adds an ownership layer. So that's exactly what I was talking about. It adds the ownership layer. You own your data to the existing, and so it's an ownership layer that is the, to the existing internet that is necessarily decentralized, transparent, and immutable, enabling new capabilities we're just beginning to experiment with. And another thing, too, that I want to touch on about Web 2 is a lot of people like now to paint the Web 2 as these big, bad, evil, you know, corporations. And they are, you know, but, uh, you know, it's like, you know, the LinkedIn's, the Instagram, the Facebook's, the YouTube's, TikTok's, and Twitter's. They didn't start out that way, you know, because... If you go back to web one, it was you had to know HTML to create a web page. You had to know FTP protocols, file transfer protocols. And a lot of times you had to a lot of times know how to spin up a web server, an email server. You had to know a lot of technical stuff in order to be able to publish your own data. Um, web two made it easier. It democratized the internet and and brought down the technical barrier a lot low, so a lot more people could get involved. But that was at the cost of them gathering your information. And at first it was kind of harmless, whatever, you know, you create a profile. But then, you know, the, the, the value of that information started to become more and more uh, increased monetarily. It started to become worth more. And so the greed factor sets in. And that's when things started kind of taking a downturn towards the evil side. And um, so that's where it went but it didn't start out that way and the companies didn't start out as some big bad evil mega corporations trying to just take your data and enslave you um so it started off as a democracy thing so it's like a pendulum you know high technical barriers allow for democracy on the other side it swings over now we have to get back over to web 3 to flatten it again and that the centralization that happened and make it decentralized again because web one was very decentralized then web two it, it democratized but it centralized now we have to swing back over to decentralize you know itself but the high but the, the technical barrier has returned in web three a lot of people don't understand the concepts and the technicality that it takes and the user experience of web three is terrible right now and so that's that's where we're at with Web3. We need to create an amazing user experience to where people don't even know that they're using blockchain. And um, we're not there yet. And who knows? Once that's created and the masses can suddenly join Web3, 
is the pendulum going to swing the other way? Is centralization going to happen and take over again? Is it going to be another next generation of Facebooks and Twitters and YouTubes? I don't know. Um, probably, <laughs> you know, and then the pendulum's going to have to swing the other way. It's just that way. That's, that's that way with politics too. Right, left, right, left. It's constantly swinging that pendulum, you know, and, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot we can do about that as humans, except for just try to center ourselves and not be affected by the swinging of the pendulum and to maintain a forward looking focus and not sit there and constantly stare at that pendulum all the time. You know, because when you do that, you get dizzy and then you end up falling and hurting yourself. All right. So anyway, um, so with Web3 and journalism shared foundations. Okay, so they both believe in the importance of transparency. Yes, transparency. Blockchain brings transparency. That's both, ama both amazing and problematic. But uh, the thing is, is you can... Every single one of your transactions is is able to be seen. And in the case of journalism, um, the evolution of a story, all the edits, everything like that can be seen. So if there is a picture of uh, somebody you know, of snow on the, the pyramids in Egypt, right? Um, <laughs> it might be doctored, you know, so you can trace back if that photo was originally uploaded to the blockchain, you can trace back to the original photo to show, you know, that that, you know, <laughs> it was it was not actually uh, snowing on the pyramids in Egypt. That was a Photoshopped photo. And you could also check the weather data that has been funneled to the blockchain through something like Chainlink, you know, and you could check the weather at that date, you know, verified and provable on the blockchain. Okay, so another thing that Web3 and journalists have uh, shared foundations with is a, sus a suspicion of centralized power. Um, yeah, you know, um, journalists by nature need to be suspicious. And what we have been seeing lately is not a suspicion of centralized power. You know, you, you got to question everything, okay? And then Web3 and journalism shared foundations, the desire to create a permanent and immutable historical record. And blockchain can promise that. Um, transparency... Um, is good and bad. I want to go back to the transparency thing. Uh, now, coming from me personally, I like the privacy aspect of it. And it's not even really privacy. I was listening to a podcast on The Defiant where they were interviewing Zuko of Zcash. And he says he doesn't like to use the word privacy, um, but uh, he likes to use the word consent. All right. So, um, I mean, privacy is good. And um, blockchain can bring privacy in the way, in, a, in an ironically, in an ironic way, because there's transparency. You can see every transaction, but you don't necessarily see. You see a wallet address, you know. But if you can trace and figure out what whose wallet address that is, you can see everything they do. And obviously, that's not compatible with with um, with everyday life. You know, you can't have it just because you buy a cup of coffee somewhere, suddenly that barista can look up your crypto address and see every single transaction you've ever done. That's unacceptable. Um, so it's, it's, um, a sense of consent. Um, so, um, I was using an analogy. Um, uh, so say you want to see a show at the Continental Club, but now you're old and tired like me. And uh, you don't want to drive down the Continental Club to have the band go on at midnight. You want to see it live streamed. Okay, yeah, you know, you just, uh, if they're live streaming on YouTube, you know, or whatever, you and, and there's a paywall, 
Well, you have to create an account with the Continental website and uh, you have to give your name, address, birthday, uh, your credit card information and all that crap. And then you can suddenly pay the money and you can log in and you can watch it. All right. Well, uh, not so with an NFT. If you bought the NFT for that band, um, who knows, you could have a really cool collectible after that and um, you could log in using that NFT with your MetaMask wallet. You don't have to give up any of your personal information. It does not go on their ser server and you can watch that show, you know, um, it, and at midnight from the comfort of your couch, right? And uh, so that's that's another amazing thing that you can do. And so there's the, the the sense of privacy, I guess, and of consent. You're willing, you're not willing to give up your your name, address, birth date, and credit card number to be put on that server, but you'll buy the NFT, and then suddenly you'll have that NFT in your wallet. And who knows? Maybe that band blows up and makes it big time, and you have the original NFT showing that you went to that show. It might be worth something someday. I'm not saying speculate. And another thing, during that presentation, somebody tried to step up. I'm not even going to say the guy's name because I don't even want to give the guy any publicity. I don't think it's worth it. Um, but he was like, and he was clearly emotionally wound up. I mean, <laughs> but he, he was just like, <laughs> Is, did you know that it's a flagrant violation and you could be arrested for for speculating and, and, and encouraging journalists to capitalize and it violates every SEC regulation out there and it, you know, it's just like you're like whoa slow down dude you know like first of all we're just trying to show the tools in web3 that journalists can use and try to to educate them a little bit on what's going on in this tech space to try to help them figure some some of this stuff out them for themselves so nobody's promoting and we're definitely not promoting a token we're not promoting a journo token don't go buy our token don't buy our nfts you know let's figure all this out together but secondly you know uh, there's the howie test out there yes you know and if if you buy something with the expectation of a return that's a violation of one of the tenants of the howie test one of like i believe four or five or something and uh but the thing is, is that Howie test was made in 1941 to determine uh, a security. And if you, you know, are speculating on a security, then there, there's, there's some problems out there. But the thing is, it was developed in 1941 to solve a different set of problems. It was not developed with crypto in mind. And here we are sitting, you know, like... Psh, I don't know, 60 years later, trying to figure out how to work with regulators. So this is a long road and a long process, and there's no clear regulation going on or, or around crypto right now. So for somebody to just jump up and interrupt a speech, you know, talking about technological developments in Web3 to journalists, saying that we're trying to encourage journalists to capitalize and violate SEC regulations, I mean, dude, it was uncalled for. But uh, hey, man, you know, <laughs> you be you, but it must be exhausting. Um, anyway, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of work to be done, definitely. And, uh, you know, people in Web3 want to work with regulators. We want to help figure out workable solutions that are not geared towards something built in 1941 problem, geared towards 1941 problems, basically. Uh, so anyway... Uh, yeah, some people you know that are hot to trot to try to debunk and discredit crypto and Web3, they need to slow their roll a little bit and, and allow people to figure it out. It's like the course in Plato's Republic, you know, or in all that old Greek literature, you know, they're just parroting, you know, and just saying whatever the masses think, 
You know, no innovation ever came from the masses. No good quality change ever came from the masses. It was from the people who spoke um, outside of that and and tried to figure out and critically think for themselves. Anyway, so um, so anyway, yeah, we can experiment with new tools and concepts on both the business and editorial side. All right, so. Um, how does all this help journalists? Yes, there's immutability, which uh, means you cannot change the blockchain. That's what immutability means, something that cannot be changed. There's transparency. You can see everything happening on the blockchain. So therefore, if something doesn't look right, um, you can go check those facts and you check the evolution of a story. You check the evolution of a photo. Um, and it's all there for anybody and the public to see. So nobody's gatekeeping that information from you. Um, there's new business models that can be developed, like through the ownership of an NFT. You can, sub as a, a journalist, you can create NFTs for your articles and people could buy them and subscribe to you. And, and when they hold your NFTs, you know, it could unlock maybe different levels of information and subscription. Um, and uh, maybe later on down the road, if uh, somebody's holding one of your original Genesis NS NFTs and you have made money from that, well, you can pass that back down to the, the people that supported you at the beginning. I don't know. There's a lot of different business models that can come up from it. And then community ownership. Say, for instance, you um, airdrop the community governance in the newspaper. And then everybody in the community who owns those tokens are now able to vote on the content of a, of a supposed newspaper, right? Um, so there's a lot of different things like that, which creates decentralization. And then, um, you know, so now the content and the editorial process is decentralized. The fact checking is decentralized. You know, say, for instance, this is what uh, uh, Factland is trying to do. You know, so say you think that something is incorrect. And, you're, and you hold the fact land tokens. Well, you can say that is incorrect. I'm willing to bet my fact tokens on that. So what you do is you, you pony up and you say, this is incorrect. I'm going to lock away some fact land tokens and there's going to be a jury, which is picked from random people that own the fact land token. And then um, those people anonymously can look into it and then uh, research it and then they will come to a deliberation and then they will be determined whether something is truth or a fact and none of the the fact checking is done by by these current centralized fact checking organizations that are a lot of times funded by hedge funds and stuff like that and are very biased themselves um, so it's a decentralized way to fact check so I mean the, the, those this that's Another way of decentralization. And then back to the security thing, like uh, in trustless communications, like with that, that uh, the NFT that I said, that you could don't have to give your, your personal information in order to subscribe to something. You don't have to give up your name, address, credit card number to go sit on a, a dirty server somewhere. You know, it's, 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 it, you, all you have to do is hold an NFT and plug in your crypto wallet and that's it. Um, you don't have to give up your identifying details because what if, for instance, some kind of publication um, is a little controversial, you know? So, you know, you, you don't want to be flagged for, for it, then suddenly they have all your credit card information and they shut down your credit card and everything like that. And they have your name, address, where you live, you know, your, you know and all that stuff. Your mother's maiden name, you know, like... You don't want all that information just sitting out there and then suddenly they say, oh, well, this person subscribed to XYZ Journal. 
mm, let's shut them down. You know, like you don't want that. So yeah, this is this is a way you can just hold the NFT and not have to give away any of that. So anyway, yeah. Uh, Web3 and traditional journalism, they need to get to know each other. So uh, that's exactly what we were doing there. Uh, we weren't trying to sell any tokens. We weren't trying to encourage journalists to speculate on crypto, for God's sakes. No, man. Just just figure it out, you know, and, and come to us and talk to us. And, you know, we, maybe we can try to help guide you through the process, show you some tools like Mirror XYZ. Uh, like factland.org and some other tools to try to help you uh, dip your toes in to find alternate ways to deal with this mass amount of information that's coming to you from social media. So social media won't be driving your stories, but maybe your stories can help drive social media. Anyway, yeah, that's all I have for today. I've been rambling on for 39 minutes, so um, I will uh, call it a day for this episode and um there's so much more i need to talk about i want to talk more about Factland. i want to talk about mirror xyz i want to talk about web3 id with humpty calderon so i mean there, there's a ton of different types of uh things i need to talk more about but for now this will do so um so yeah um today is my daughter's birthday and i'm gonna go to the skate park she's having a roller skating birthday and so it's gonna be me and like 37 year olds out there at the skate park trying not to, to trying to help make sure that they don't kill themselves <laughs> so wish me luck all right well i will talk to you all when i talk to you so um bye Thank you for making it to the end of this program. If you actually like this content, give a thumbs up. And if you want to hear more, just hit the subscribe button. I'm available on YouTube, Odyssey, and BitChute, and on all the major podcasting platforms in audio version. Spotify specifically. If you would like to follow and leave a review, that would help a lot. I am also available on Twitter at EurekaJohn1. That's E-U-R-E-K-A John, J-O-H-N, and the number one. My DMs are always open. Feel free to shoot me a message. Thanks again.